Hello and welcome to the Football.London podcast. I'm your host, Greg Johnson, and joining me today to discuss the weekend's football and the Champions League and the Europa League that's just been is Sam Incasol. How are you doing, Sam? Very well, thank you, Greg. Very well, very well. Very well indeed. And Kev Byrne is here as well. How are you, Kev? I am very good. I have a little bit of a cold. A little bit of a cold. So sorry to everyone listening for having to listen. <laughs> <laughs> it's why we put you on the other side of the room, isn't it? Yeah, so don't infect everyone. No. Uh, it's very, very considerate of you to quarantine me over here. <laughs> it needed it needed to be done. Uh, but another team, I say another team, you're not a team, you're a man, but a team that may need quarantining in their current run of form is Chelsea. As you may have heard, they're on a run of two defeats in the Premier League. They could only draw 3-3 against Roma in the Champions League. And um, Before we do get to Chelsea, we've had, had some questions from Twitter, and it would be remiss of me not to talk about their, their last team to beat them because it was their first win of the season, their first points of the season, their first goals of the season. Um, Troy Townsend, Andros's dad, tweeted us to say, talk about last weekend's big top game. You know the one it is. We know the one it was. It was Crystal Palace 2, Chelsea 1, wasn't it, Sam? Surprising. Um, but actually, and at the same time, maybe not so surprising because Palace were just in dire straits, needed to get something. London derby, Chelsea coming into town. Not quite the juggernaut that they were the last season, and they came and they did a number on them, I think, at Sellers Park, Crystal Palace. Um, and, they, and by all accounts, they thoroughly deserved their win. So, um, so it kind of was a surprise, but then again, then again, not a surprise at the same time. I mean, the big difference maker was uh, Wilfred Sahar. Wilf Sahar, as the Palace fans love to call him, big Wilf. Um, big Wilf. Wilf. And he was playing up front as a makeshift striker with um, with Troy's boy Andros as another makeshift striker at the front for Roy Hodgson's team. I was going to say, Roy Hodgson, dire straits. I can imagine he'd be a listener of them. Have a bit of the back <laughs> catalogue at home, maybe. Maybe, maybe. Um, they both caused chaos with their movement and their, their, their pace and their running. In the final third, they face Newcastle away this weekend. Can they go again, Kev? Um, well, you know, everyone knows that Newcastle's defence is obviously way better than Chelsea's. Um, <laughs> No, I, I don't see why, if they can do it against Chelsea, I don't see why they can't do it against anyone else, you know. Mm. That is a, it's a very good Chelsea defence. Um, they really made them look poor at times. And maybe the answer to how to score goals is to not have any strikers. I know. It's gone, it's gone a bit Jurgen Klopp down at Selhurst Park, hasn't it? It's gone a bit Lionel Messi, Pep Guardiola. Is it the Wilf Zahar team? Well, you know, Roy, Roy Hodgson's always been a bit of a hipster. He was, you know, he was in Norway before it was cool. Exactly, he was the, you know, he's pretty much the only England manager to really have success. He managed Inter Milan. Yeah, he managed in Switzerland. Yeah, oh, pe- people don't mention that very often. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a, quite a good interview. I think with Will Sahar on the Premier League show last week, where he was kind of saying something behind Roy Hudson's back in French to Mamadou Sakho, and Sakho went, <laughs> "He can speak French. He can hear you. He knows what you're saying." So uh, yeah, we, maybe we underestimate um, good old Roy a little bit. Um, but do you reckon Crystal Palace have got enough to get out of the, this absolute mess they've got themselves into at the start of the season? We've got players like Zahar at the front of their team. They've got the quality to get out of this situation, haven't they? Benteke to come back as well. Well, yeah. Benteke is the, the problem, isn't it? Mm. They're a strikerless um, goal-scoring force to be reckoned but with. But with Zahar back and then potentially Benteke mm. playing back a centre-forward, Benteke is going to be getting that delivery that he's yeah. not necessarily got for the majority of the season. You've had it sporadically at times from Andros Townsend, but never on a consistent basis. So I think the return of Benteke could mm. actually be massive, as well as Wolf Sahar. I mean, it's, it's a cliche to say, but they are going to be their two but best also, players. But also, as Loftus-Cheek kind of grows mm, yes, more and more absolutely. into his role at Palace and gets more comfortable 
understands his teammates better. He's you know he's a very good player. Mm. I mean, before they got themselves in together last weekend, he was in a bad team. Admittedly, he was their standout player. He was even good under the ball, which not many people could say. Um, but yeah, very very impressive, and it'd be interesting to see how he does. I think he is still coming back from a little minor injury knock, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how it works out this weekend. But they came back last season with less time mm. so I don't see why they can't do it now it's you know it's funny how important you think the first 10 games are and then how often they end up being pointless they were for Palace they were for Palace yeah. but, but you know you think about um, a few years ago Blackpool when mm. they had their big, great run of form at the beginning of the season and Everyone was talking about how great Holloway was. Mm. They were only in the Premier League for one year. They got relegated yeah. that season. So you're saying Burnley are going down? Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first, I, ladies I'm and gentlemen. I'm sticking by my preseason prediction. <laughs> was, that, was that your preseason prediction? Yeah, this is the hill I'm going to die on. Oh, wow. Yeah, it definitely wasn't mine either. <laughs> <laughs> well, but before we move on to other fixtures and games and teams, a little bit on Chelsea, the reigning champions, in a bit of a sticky situation themselves. You said about their incredible defence against Palace uh, maybe not against Palace but generally they've had a pretty good defensive record um, but it's midfield where they're going to struggle this weekend they haven't really got any fit players have they? No Fabregas is the only first choice central midfielder who's not totally banjaxed which mm. is funny because he's totally banjaxed otherwise <laughs> um, For the uninitiated what's that what's banjaxed? Oh is that is that an Irish thing? It might be an Irish it thing It may be right, yes afraid, yeah. uh, I don't know <laughs> Banjax you're just like you don't work anymore <laughs> Like, <laughs> could you maybe break it down? What's the ban and what's the jaxed? It's just, it's just a, it's just an old Irish phrase, I guess. Of you know, if if your knees give way after thirty minutes of every game, your knees banjaxed. It doesn't work. So Musa Dembele is banjaxed. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of. It's uh, you know. You're just banjaxed. I'm pretty sure I bought banjax on Football Manager once from um, from the Swiss Super League, as a wonder kid, oh. maybe. Um, but sticking to Chelsea, uh, besides all the banjaxing, uh, they drew three or with Roma in midweek. Um, but there's been a bit of talk. The players aren't very happy under Conte. I think in his press comments, he kind of dismissed that and said, "Look, you know, they just they just need to work harder. They're not working as hard as they were." Um, but the, they didn't have a European football last season. The extra games it seems to be taking a toll in a squad that, as much as they bought some players, it didn't really get much bigger in the summer, did it? No. They didn't they didn't they strength they strengthened it in in some respects but the depth isn't there mm. as you as you've just previously mentioned about them being banjaxed uh, this weekend um, <laughs> i've just looked it up and apparently it's american oh wow us informal language meaning destroyed or ruined so. so that's a much more like savage version than what i thought you i thought you were just saying always oh, oh, saying fabregas is destroyed yeah yeah his legs don't work anymore he, he, when, when was the last time he got through a full season? I mean, that's true, but didn't he... I'm sorry to go into stats mode, but didn't he like win more tackles and cover more ground than Kante the other week or something? Yeah, but like he's going to fall apart before... He's held together <laughs> with masking tape. Beautiful Spanish masking tape. It's true. It's no, he's, true. he's a great player, but like he's not a workhorse and you can't expect him to be. Mm. So they need, the, they need Kante and Bakayoko and drink water... And any other central midfielder they can get. I mean, I, I think anyone who kind of got a bit used to how good Kante mm. was, and they go, oh yeah, Kante, oh yeah, he's great. We're, we're kind of being reminded now just how good he is. He is, he is, you know, world class by his absence in a way. I mean, he's world class anyway, but you're really seeing how important he is to this team. Yeah, man, he's keeping up those levels. He's been doing it for two years now. Mm. You're asking a lot 
I mean, even though I can't, I don't know how old he is off the top of my head, but he's not exactly old, is he? No, no. Um, you're asking a lot mm. for him to carry all that load, and obviously now it's all just caught up with him with that injury, and they're just severe, and Chelsea are severely missing him at the moment. Really clear. Who'd you play in the centre midfield this weekend? Well, I was thinking Thomas David, Christensen could David be Louise or Christensen. Well, he, probably Louise is kind of injured as well, isn't he now? He so. he was in training today. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's carrying uh, a calf strain. Bakayoko's got a groin issue. Yeah. Kante has the hamstring problem. Drink water is a little banjaxed himself now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's not great options. It really depends what formation they're going to play as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, I imagine they're going to stick with the back three. Yeah. I imagine they will because that's that's kind of how you get the most out of guys like Gary Cahill, who do look a bit dodgy in the back four. Yeah. Um, and I mean, one thing that described this described me surprised me I should say <laughs> over the summer was how many centre-backs Chelsea signed because mm. they already had quite a bit and they got Rudiger in as well and Christensen came back maybe it's the time for Rudiger to shine if you need to fill that void with Cahill as for Laqueta, and allow the more kind of ball-playing guys to go forward and sort out the midfield maybe well they spent so much money on him it, it, it's kind of strange to have spent so much money on him sell Ake and not use him mm. so that's what I don't really get yet that Rudiger's really not had a proper look into the team yet. Yeah. So maybe this is his chance. Mm. And they're all chasing Alexandro as well for the, yeah. the entirety of the summer, another defender. Mm, mm, yeah. mm. I mean, yeah, could have gone a little bit further out for him. I don't know if he, could, he could probably play centre midfield, I imagine. If there were an injury to uh, Marcus Alonso, I don't know what they would do because he is pretty much their only real option at left wing. But he could play Pedro there, but that's not really the same, is it? But as Pulaqueta there. Mm. But you've got Moses out at the moment with the yeah. hamstring issue. So you could have a Spulaqueta on the left, Rudiger on the right, mm. and then a back three of Cahill, Christensen, Ke- and Louise. But then, who's playing midfield? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Zappa Costa could come in Zappacosta. at the Zappacosta. right wing back, couldn't he? So it'd be interesting yeah. to see what happens there. We've had a few questions through on Chelsea from Crippy Cook, who asked, "Will Conte be manager come May? Uh, why have they dipped off so much this season?" Um, and to add on to that, is the Premier League just too competitive for him to dominate it as he did at Serie A? Teams have got better, I think, this mm. season. You look at Man City, Man United, those teams, those two, they've got infinitely better over yeah. the summer and they're providing more competition mm. to Chelsea, whereas last season it was really just Spurs, wasn't it? Mm. Um, who've also improved as well. But I think that's I, whether the, are Chelsea struggling. Or is it the fact that other teams have improved? I think it's the latter. Let's say those those two Manchester clubs invested heavily in the mm. summer, uh, brought the right players in in the right places that they needed to, and Chelsea just got a little bit left behind, as we've already discussed in the transfer window with their signings. Mm. Another player who's so key for Chelsea is Alvaro Morata. He's been a bit out recently, and that's affected their entire game plan. He's so important and how he leads the line for them. Um, Owen Griffiths asks if Morata gets injured again before the transfer window, what do you think is the best option for Conte to reshift the team? Um, well, my my Spanish and Portuguese isn't great, but I'm sure Conte can find someone to, to translate to Diego Costa to say... <laughs> You're selling the books, mate. I, I am uh... very sorry, but you are still contracted to us. <laughs> Why don't you get some fitness before... You know, well, he's apparently Madrid. being beasted by the Atletico uh, Madrid fitness coach at the moment to kind of get that um, Brazil beer belly off him to uh, get get him fit shape to play in January. So yeah, I mean, it it could be a mutually beneficial situation to send him back to London. It, it's not going to happen, though, is it? This isn't no. a Carlos Tevez Roberto Mancini situation. No, no, it's it's 
definitely not going to happen. Um, but Bashuai? Bashuai kind of seems like he's he's kind of the only option, isn't he? Yeah. But who would you play next to him? Because he's not a lead striker. He can't do a front man thing on his own. He can't didn't, play the lone role. Didn't Conte play Hazard at times as mm. a central striker yeah. last season? But then again, you're taking away from. Yeah. Where he would normally play, so you're kind of in a catch twenty. I guess you've got Willian as well. Willian, but it's yeah. just none of the they're all round pegs in a square hole, aren't they? Really? Yeah. So I guess our answer is they don't have an answer. Buy a striker in January, Chelsea. You I'll need do it. one. You'll do it. Yeah, yeah. I'll but you've got a cold. I won't have a cold by the time So you're in a, but, it'll you, be, but it'll be colder in January then. You're in a Diego now. Costa situation, we need to get you with the Atletico fitness team, get you in shape and Yeah, okay, I think that could work. Um just on Chelsea before we move on, um Mohamed Kursi at simply says to us, How stupid is the Chelsea board? Seven. Seven out of ten from Gav. I didn't know we were doing a scoring oh, system. I wasn't. Um, I wasn't sure what we were scoring it out of. Fair enough. <laughs> it could have been seven out of twenty. Then I don't know what the, the the rate was. Um, but Conte followed this up as well in his press conference. Um, dismissed the, a question put to him about Abramovich and the support he's saying. Um, he said he just wants to get on with work. Um, do Chelsea fans have a right to be angry with the board? Conte seems to be trying to focus on saying, "Look, I've just got to get my get my job going on." But there has been talk. He's been upset with the transfer strategy last two summers, with them not quite getting the players they want. Would you blame the board, or again, is it just the transfer market's gone gone a bit silly? I think it is the latter, the transfer market going a bit silly. Chelsea fans were very happy with Antonio Conte, weren't they? Mm. Obviously, for obvious reasons, last season, and then he got his uh, contract extension, um, which is what they all wanted, so now they can suddenly direct their ire at the board. I'm not 100% sure. Um, it's not. It was obviously not down to a lack of effort mm. uh, to try and sign players in the summer. It just didn't come off, and that, you mm. can't get... We deal with football managers a lot, and they say it all the time. They say you can have a list of seven players that you want to sign in the summer, but you ain't going to get all seven of them. But, you might have to sell. But then, why did Fernando Llorente go to Spurs rather than reigning champions Chelsea? I think that out of all the potential transfers they wanted, that's the one that I think sticks in the craw a bit because he would have been so useful right now to come into that striker role. You've got to think it's something to do with Pochettino. Yeah, it has to be. He must have had some sort of the Spanish influence. Well, obviously, Poch is Argentine, but. Spent so much time in Spain. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Spent a lot of time in Spain. You imagine that he probably just had a... You imagine Chelsea were favourites and then Poch probably got on the phone and was like, hang on, mm. why don't you come here and just give him some sort of spiel, which I imagine probably sold it to him because on paper you would go to the champions, wouldn't you? But could could that be why Ross Barkley ordered an Uber midway through his um, his medical in, ja- in um, Not even in January. He's, he might be moving in January, but in, in the summer on deadline day, he was all set to go to Chelsea, but then backed out during his medical, according what? to reports. Wasn't the situation that um, he was trying to get in touch with Conte to discuss what his yes. role would be? Yeah, and because Oxide Chamberlain had spoken to Conte and Conte had said, "Yeah, I'm going to put you wing back, and you're probably not going to get a chance in the middle of the field," Chamberlain decided to go to Liverpool. So in response to that, the club told Conte, "Okay, you're not talking to any of them before we sign them." He says, "Grand." Barkley wants to talk to Conte. Conte's not answering his phone. Barkley takes that as Conte doesn't want me, so he heads off. Yeah, you know it's it's a bit of a mess, and I think Conte has to take a bit of responsibility for how this issue keeps being brought up in the media over the the Chelsea board because he's definitely pushing it. Um, well, it's a similar thing happening in Juventus. He, he effectively left them in the end because he fell out with the board over their transfer strategy and not quite seeing eye to eye what he wanted as well. Yeah, he, he, he can talk about how he wants to focus on the football and everything as much as he wants. I think he added out by saying, I, I hope I have this passion for longer, which I guess was a, a kind of a side answer to kind of say that they might be tiring me a little bit. So maybe he is playing this game with the fans a little bit. 
do you think? I, I don't think that so many reports coming out about him being unhappy are a coincidence. Mm. And I don't think... People don't like journalists so much nowadays, but generally t- try to tell the truth and try to tell stories that are rooted in reality. Um, I don't think that those those reports of Conte being unhappy, I don't think that they're coming out of nowhere. Ooh. And I don't think that... The, I, don't, I wouldn't imagine that Chelsea are planting them themselves because that wouldn't make sense. Mm. You know, mm. It's kind of Occam's razor. The most obvious answer is probably the right one. Mm. Occam's razor, another player I won't sign on for manager from the Swiss League. <laughs> no, but seriously. Another club with um, some unhappiness around the situation with their manager is West Ham. Mm. The team that you cover for Indeed, us, for my sins, Sam. lucky me. <laughs> they face Brighton tonight. You're going to be off to uh, London Stadium should be a feast of football as it usually is with West Ham ooh Friday night football Uh, they've got their own issues as well as the unhappiness around Bilic and and his uh, management of the team over recent months Uh, Carroll suspended Sacco out of a back injury Uh, Hernandez he's carrying a knock we believe he had a fitness test at 4 o'clock yesterday afternoon uh, at the London Stadium they always train at the stadium the day before a game uh, Mm -hmm. for a home game sorry and what I know is that he's passed it um, so he should be starting tonight. Um, whether he gets a full ninety minutes, so he's passed the test. He's not passed it. Oh, sorry. No, yes, yeah. Pa- yeah, sorry. Passed the test. Yes, passed the fitness test. He's certainly not passed it. Oh no, no. Um, but yeah, he. From what I know, he has passed his fitness mm. test yet, and he is set to play tonight. I so say whether he lasts ninety minutes or not remains to be seen. Well, Michael Antonio could be another option up front. Yep. for Billich. Um, he, he. I think you tweeted yesterday. He likes him. In I the did, track and a lot of fantasy football accounts tweet, uh, picked up on that tweet as well. And I think a lot of people are transferring Michael Antonio into their team. So hopefully, so you are let me down. So you are now triple captain Ingersoll. Is that uh, your nickname? Oh. That, uh? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Have you seen my fantasy football team? It's terrible. Um, um, Sorry, can you guys can you guys hear that that baying mob for West Ham fans who want Tony Martinez to come? Oh into yeah, yeah. We, I'm, sure we were gonna, I'm sure we were going to get onto him at some point. Yeah, I mean, I was asked, I was asked, well, I've been asked about it for the last week or so because I was at the Under 23s game mm. where he scored his hat trick against Manchester United the other week. Sorry, last weekend, and everyone's like, right, get him in. You got to get him in. Got to get him in. And yeah, you can bring him in, but you remember this is a guy who's not started a, a competitive game. Mm. For West Ham, he played um, in pre-season, and other than that, he's been under 23s. But then, so then people were asking me why don't why doesn't Billich throw him in? And it's like, well, you can't stand why not. But then again, how are we going to find out if he's any good mm. if you don't throw him in? Uh, and against someone like Brighton as well tonight, I think would have been a perfect opportunity, not necessarily to start him, but to at least maybe get him in the squad. Because they're not that good, are they, Brighton? So, sorry, sorry, Chris Hewn. They're not. They're not. And even, even so, sorry, fa- uh, friend of the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not anymore. He now hates us. Um, even if, um, <laughs> even if um, on paper, even though West Ham have struggled so far this season, we'll say well they've been well they've only lost one in the last mm. six, so they they're, they're they've been very inconsistent. But on paper, you put those two squads together, it's not even a contest mm. really. But West Ham should be winning. The question of the talent on paper has been brought by someone on Twitter. Robbie Laufer asks. Why do clubs buy players that don't fit their formations? Hernandez at West Ham doesn't fit Billich's system. What do you make of that? Uh, he's, he's, he's correct. Um, Robbie did work experience with me. Oh, Recognise really? his name from there. Oh, so thanks for your good. question, Robbie. Um, it, yeah, but I mean, Billich is obviously heavily reliant on Andy Carroll, uh, and he was going into this season with the premise that Andy Carroll was ridiculously that Andy Carroll was going to be fit <laughs> and that he was going to last well he is fit at the moment he's uh, had to him. <laughs> he, needed, he needed a rest that's why he got sent off at the weekend he needed a rest um, 
I mean, at least be fit for the whole season. It's, it's so Carol orientated mm. now that 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 system. But um, even so, when when they were fit together, there was a point where Hernandez was playing wide, wasn't there? Yeah, um, but that's just because Billich wanted to play five defenders, I think, uh, right. because they were leaking goals left, right, and centre. Was it ten goals in the first four games? Leaking goals everywhere. Needed to shore up the defence, and then mm. so you, you so he just decided to play Hernandez out on the left wing, which is obviously. Not his spot, uh, which is why actually I think Chicharito tonight has got a big game ahead of him because he's going to be the man leading the line tonight. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on because he's had a bit of a slow start. Mm, absolutely. He, he, he's only scored in two different games and West Ham lost both of them 3-2. It's not a great record for your match winner, is it? No. no. <laughs> the opposite of what you want. Um, but meanwhile, uh, moving north of the city uh, to Arsenal, they travel to face Everton on Sunday. Um, they're both in a bit of a, you know, not the best form at the moment. Um, Arsenal made a bit of heavy work of Red Star in Belgrade. I mean, obviously the atmosphere was what it was, but he scored a beautiful goal um, off Olivier Giroud, which I'm sure we're going to talk about shortly. Uh, Everton, meanwhile, I mean, Ronald Koeman, I think, is the favourite to get sacked next, isn't he? He's an absolute mess um, of form at the moment. But given Arsenal's track record, this is exactly the kind of fixture where the Toffees will turn up and then beat them and then push all the pressure onto Arsene Wenger, isn't it, Kev? I think narratively, <laughs> which is what we're here for. <laughs> yeah, narratively it should be a draw, a really like dour one-all where neither team plays well. Arsenal dominate and then Rooney bags a late equaliser, and everyone kind of just feels really, really sad inside. <laughs> Let down in every single possible yeah. way. Yeah, because um, it's. I mean, if you remember Coleman's last kind of bad run of form with the team with Southampton, mm. there was that one bright spot in the middle of it all was that 4-0 win against Arsenal Yeah, uh, just before Christmas. So he's had a very good record against Wenger. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he turned it around. It's, I know they're not one of our clubs and we're not going to spend too much time on them, but Everton situation is mad. Mm. It is bonkers I mean we talk about Chelsea kind of spending money not quite enhancing their squad um, Everton I mean they, I don't even think they really tried to replace Lukaku really they, instead of getting another striker and they just bought more number 10s yeah it's kind of there's no one to run behind it's kind of no idea what they're doing <laughs> you know they're, they're that um, what is it that golden retriever meme where it's just standing there sitting there in a lab in a lab coat <laughs> dressed as a scientist going I, I don't know I'm a dog what am I doing here it's mad though because West Ham fans, especially, sorry to bring them, have to bring them up again. I'm not going to make this West Ham dominant, <laughs> but they were the, the the fans were of the opinion that uh, their board should be like uh, the board at Everton or like mm. the owners at Everton that were splashing all this cash, spending this money on top English talent, buying all these players, mm. and, and look how it's turned out. And now, as the Hammers fans are. I say laughing at them. It's a lot more than that. Uh, you go on social media; it's quite a, it's quite entertaining um, <laughs> in the direction of of Everton. So it's not really worked out for them. But they have made some strange signs. Look, I, I love Sigurdsson, but he does not cost even nearly what they paid for. No, was, no. It, was it forty million? Was it fifty? Was it fifty? It was really, it was really yeah. good money. It was, it was, it was too much. I mean, it was Özil money. You could say who is the the next point yeah. of interest in our little agenda we've got here. Um, that was a very neat segue. I was just going to say the same thing. Thanks, <laughs> lads. It's my first day. Özil <laughs> um, rumors. Yep, they've kicked up again. Two Man United apparently in the summer on a free. He doesn't want to move anywhere for money in January. He'd like to get that big sign-on bonus at Old Trafford with Jose Mourinho, according to reports. Um, and on that, because it's quite a big story, we've had a few questions through on Twitter. Josh Fatsaraj asks Özil to United. How would it work for club and player? Would it work? 
would he fit in the system or mm. Well, just would it work? Is is he the right kind of? Is he still the kind of player that Mourinho turned into this kind of like trigger man for for Ronaldo and uh, Di Maria back at Real Madrid? Because it, it seems to me he went to Arsenal. He kind of got all this freedom. He kind of got more of a sense of himself and just thought, oh, I'm the artist now and I can just swan around and do whatever I want. Whereas at Real Madrid, there was more of a kind of more of a disciplined role that he was trying to play. Maybe we've seen with Rooney when he was freed up of his workman like role, he struggled to get back to it later because he kind of got more of an ego of how he wanted to play. Do you think Özil might be in a similar? Situation, I think, I think Ozil definitely has an ego on him. Mm. Uh, I think all the top players do. I think Ozil maybe has more of an ego than he has the right to, uh, asking for 350 grand a week while he's not even in the starting team. is uh, uh, He's got confidence, I'll give him that. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, we know he can be a fantastic player when he shows up, but we also know that quite often he doesn't show up is an incredibly frustrating player to watch and I saw someone earlier today ask the question pound for pound who's been a better signing for Arsenal was Ozil or Cazorla I thought that was a baffling question because I I would say even regardless of their fees I would say Cazorla's been yeah. 100 miles yeah. better you know just effective effectiveness is, is kind of what we're talking about I guess Ozil was I think I said on Twitter he's, he's not the engine he's the gear shift and if the rest of the car isn't kind of going along then you're not going to get that kind of impact you want from a player that's costing ridiculous amounts of money yeah. he's still the club record signing before Lacazette wasn't he yes he yeah. was yeah, um, yeah he, he's not I don't think he's justified the the 42 and a half that mm. they spent on him uh, for that kind of money at the time when that signing was made even now um, you'd be expecting someone who's going to push you on to the next level yeah. and he really hasn't done that he has been Kind of, it was. It almost felt a little like a branding exercise in the way, as in like, look, we can get this kind of player now. Don't worry too much about I, I, what he'll deliver. I remember what happened. I remember being so excited about mm-hmm. it. It was the first like, it was the end of austerity for Arsenal. Yeah, you know, it was this big sea change. It was the moment that the new Emirates era can fully begin, mm. and it just hasn't worked. You know, he's he's been poor. He's been really poor, I think, over those years. He's had some really brilliant moments and he's had some really brilliant performances. But I think that only makes the stuff that he does badly even worse. We've had another question for you from Alex Trika who asks, who's better, Juan Mata or Meza Ozil? And just, just to add to that, we've talked about his ineffectiveness and all the rest of it, but he was quite an effective player for Mourinho at Real Madrid, wasn't he? He was, but I think Mata carries more of a goal threat than Ozil does. Um, they're both equally as creative Meza Ozil was probably a bit more flashy I suppose in a way he, he kind of st- he stands out more than Mata Mata's a bit more of a worker I think mm. especially since he's come back to Manchester United Obviously, yeah, that was one of the reasons that he left Chelsea first of all wasn't it he didn't do his fair share of yeah. defending but I think we, he almost seemed- those, those wonderful David Moyes years when he was first oh, there in Van oh, yeah. Gaal, um, I think he, he has to He's a lot, a lot harder worker. So if if I had to choose between the two, I'd have Matter in my team. Ooh. I'd probably still go with Ozil. Um, I think he just edges it. Mm. You know, I think it depends on the system. I think that that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, that's quite important with both of those players. Um, I don't know. Ozil just for me hasn't justified the hype, and he hasn't justified the the problem that he's been over the past four years and particularly over the last few months 
Fair enough. We're going to move on to another Arsenal question now from Mr. Walker Porter, who asks: Should Giroud be starting for Arsenal after that goal no, in no. Belgrade? Well, let me finish the question. I mean, come <laughs> on. Um, lots of hype for Wilshire. Um, he was involved as well on an anniversary of his amazing goal against Norwich as well, which Giroud was involved with. Um, yeah, you don't think there's a case for Giroud to come in and allow players like Wilshire to play off him in this kind of like sophisticated target man role that he's meant to be so good at? He can do that against Red Star Belgrade. Uh, you mean former European Cup winners, Red Star Belgrade? Yeah, as they keep uh, reminding us. Um, <laughs> do, do they? <laughs> How much contact have you had with these guys? <laughs> uh, just, just every time it was brought up, because, you know, PT are trying to hype up the game that they can't say, watch a lot of Arsenal youngsters and guys whose num- shirt numbers are in the 60s. So they talk about the former European Cup winners. Um, look, Giroud's a good player, and I think he gets a tough time of things at mm. Arsenal sometimes. Mm. Um, but I also think that Arsenal fans are maybe the most reactionary fan base in the Premier League. I can't wait to be eviscerated for saying that. <laughs> uh, by reaction. To prove your fans. point, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, look. Oh, that Bay Mobber back. You can hear them. Yeah, yeah. You can hear them. Uh, look, Drew's a very good player. He's very talented. Mm. But I mean, we talk about Everton and what they were lacking. There was a lot of talk he could have gone there. He would have, mm. he would have actually made them into contenders, probably. Yeah. No, he he would have been a great signing for them. Um, look, I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think Drew is best when he comes on with 20 minutes to go, when everyone's tired and he can get a bit physical with them. Um, as for Wilshire, calm down. <laughs> let him just play and let him come back. Uh, don't declare him Arsenal's saviour like we have done every oh, time the, wow. mere, the mere mortal they can't do things that mere mortals <laughs> oh, yeah, do from Keyline oh <laughs> lord but when you talk about Arsenal's saviour we've had a question on whether Jack Wilshire could still be England's saviour George Ellick asks Winks or Wilshire is the new England star going to be the player that Arsenal fans thought Jack Wilshire was going to be uh, no because they're two different players <laughs> I, I don't mean that in like a very literal yeah, yeah. sense. I mean that in they they have very different styles of play. Um, I saw lots of people, lots of Spurs fans talking on Tuesday night about Winks playing at the Bernabeu and how incredible it was and how you know dragging Wilshire into it and saying you know it was compare and contrast. Yeah, comparing him to Wilshire against Barcelona in 2011 mm. and ridiculous for two reasons. First of all. The Wilshire performance was a million miles better. Uh, he ran that game. Winks did not run that game. He played played very well. Mm, I, I'm. Um, I do hmm. not. I do not think that he was the man on the night. I think he was very good. I don't know. I I, I was so impressed by him because he. See, this is going to go into stupid comparisons now. But if we're going to do the whole kind of like, oh, the English English shabby thing, I think that Wilshire against Barcelona, that's more of that kind of Iniesta-y type performance where you get on the ball, drive it forward. Winks was sitting back and he was basically like the pivot man. He was mm. he was like guarding defense and everything. So he, he, if we're going to do anything, he, he that was the Xavi performance for me from Winks at the the Bernabeu, kind of doing doing almost like the Modric-y type things that Modric does for Real Madrid. So yeah, um, I agree. Well, he wasn't as maybe um, exciting going forward in the Wilshire sense, but I just thought it was so intelligent how he kind of marshaled the game from um, the back. But, but that's what I mean when I say that they're different players. Mm. Um, I don't think Wilshire has that in him. I don't think he ever will because he's, what, 25, 26 now? Mm. And he hasn't hit that moment. I don't think that's something that's going to just click for him now. Mm. He's always been very... 
head first and very kind of he's not someone who will kind of set up his other teammates he always wants to do it himself it's kind of you know a watered down version of Stephen Gerrard essentially <laughs> um, but with Catalan skills yeah a more technical technically savvy Gerrard let's say oh, I can hear another Bay mob we've got three now <laughs> converging on the room no but look <laughs> w- Winks is a very talented player and he can be really good and it's very exciting to see what he can do with Pochettino because he's at the perfect mm. club for him mm. absolutely really is. but could this be London's gift to the England national team a midfield of Winks and Wilshire, Sam was that was that a was that a four or was that a frustration I don't know, it's, I'd love it to be um, I think that would be great but I'm still always going to be worried about Wilshire's injury record the amount of games he's played um I think it could be the, definitely the future, though, for sure, for sure. Um, this upcoming World Cup next year may be too soon, but you say the next Euros. Well, I don't see why not. Did England lose at all in their qualifying? Um, no. No, I don't think... No. Yeah, and so you qualified for the World Cup. You didn't lose a game, and yet... We're here discussing if the starting midfield should be two players who didn't feature in <laughs> any of the games. Like, not even a minute in them. Yeah, but... Jordan Henderson. Know. Come on. Come on. That's what we're here for. For speculation and football chat. I just, no, I, I just think, like, England, buddy. <laughs> Come on, we haven't got Jeff Hendricks, so... Yeah, you know. no, appreciate what you got, because <laughs> we're going to lose to Denmark when Christian Eriksen... Puts a ball perfectly onto Nicholas Bender's head, for God's sake. You sound like you're not going to enjoy that. No, because I'm Irish. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But sticking on Spurs, um, they're in action against Liverpool, the team off Jordan Henderson, Mm. England's lion heart. Um, On Sunday, they're going to be hosting at Wembley, and there's a few injury problems for them as well, as there are many teams from London this weekend. Dembele's out when Yama's out. Um, As you said, they played Real Madrid at the Bernabeu midweek, secured a hard-earned one-all draw. Will we see any ideas from that game carried over into this match against Liverpool at Wembley? Will Poch go for two up front with Lorente and Kane again, do we think? Or is there going to be a, a change, bring Deli Alley back into the team? I would be surprised if he went two up front just because they're at home. Mm. Um, but, you know, their away record has been so good recently that maybe they should start acting like they're playing away more often. <laughs> You know, I mean, they technically are playing yeah. away all season. Yeah, so. it doesn't feel like home for them yet. Um, they played very well. You, there's an argument to make to not change anything really. Mm. Uh, Madrid only scored because it was a penalty, which you know it was an absolutely was a penalty. Um, but it's just a moment of madness, really, that that cost them. Uh, so I wouldn't change too much. Davies might be back. Um, Rose definitely won't start. Uh, Lamella might be back next week, which is interesting. But only for the bench, I believe. Yeah, uh, they're hoping to have him on the bench against West Ham in the Carabao Cup. Mm. Uh, which that that'll be interesting to see how he slots into the team. Yeah, and what kind of player he is now? Because he's you often find when players have long term injuries, they come back as it's changed in some way, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, you. It sounds really stupid, but if you have like a leg injury and you can't run for a while, you're going to lose some pace. Mm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what how he actually is now. Um, but yeah, I think 
Spurs are in a very good situation where they're trying to fit as many players into that team as they can rather than scrambling around to seeing who they can bring in like Chelsea are mm. um, so I've been impressed by Sissoko this season I was just yeah. going to mention his name yeah because if you think about bring, bringing Deli Ali back in last season would have been a no-brainer this season maybe it's not so much of a no-brainer um, because of the form of Musa Sissoko I don't think anyone would have thought that start of the season mm. um, he, he's almost been that kind of midfielder that people were thinking Ross Barkley could have been mm. for them getting in there winning the individual battles having a bit more drive in midfield mm. I can't see him sticking with the two up top yeah. personally uh, because really just did that to match up with Madrid mm. um, and obviously it was very effective it worked brilliantly uh, I just can't I can't see Lorente starting this weekend I think he's got his Premier League system set up the way that he wants to play in the Premier League uh, and I just think he would revert to tight because he knows it's good enough mm. as well do you think it's good enough to beat Liverpool Liverpool are a bit of a funny team at the moment they went and beat Maribor 7-0 in the Champions League Champions League, Champions League in midweek um, I did I did I tried to add a little bit of an accent to my pronunciation um, whereas I mean in, in the league in the Premier League they've kind of been struggling to hit a barn door and they've got all these great attackers as well yeah, they're they? wildly inconsistent Liverpool you just don't know who's going to turn up mm. um, who are you backing for this one though? Spurs yeah even at Wembley but I think I think Liverpool without Mane in those kind of big games I just think they're, they're missing so much when he's not in that team uh, I'm back in Spurs in this one um, on a high still from admittedly it was only a draw in midweek mm. but it's still a very positive result for them on a high and it's the kind of result it's the kind of game that will help them get really set, settled I mean I know they'll be, they won't be there for very long but settled at Wembley as well it's, the big fixtures obviously it was Chelsea was on the opening day wasn't it the Chelsea one Is that, it was their first home, was their game. First home yeah. game yeah um, Liverpool at home is the kind of game if they pick up if they pick up three points then those those questions might start just mm. drifting away a little bit as to all the Wembley curse and everything mm. like that. I mean, a good performance against a good side, and they are a good side, Liverpool, despite how inconsistent they are. They are a good side. Yeah. Um, and I think it might just be say, say something that will help them really settle into life temporarily. I mean, Wembley. you do look at the size of the Wembley pitch, and you look at how Liverpool play with their high line. They want to get quite aggressive. This actually, Wembley could play into Spurs' hands this weekend. Yeah, um, I think if Davies is fit, he'll go to the back back three because uh, that just gives you that extra protection mm. um, and someone like Davison Sanchez will be interesting to see how he performs yeah because he'll be able to chase down Mo Salah yeah he's got the speed uh, just whether or not he has the kind of the, the know-how because uh, he's got two of the most experienced defenders mm. in the Premier League beside him so it'll it is, this will be a big game for Sanchez uh, to kind of justify his price tag so and he played well in midweek, to be fair to him. He's a good player. Very good in midweek. He's, he's a very good player. He's a very good player. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think if Spurs lose this game, that'll be two of the big games at home this season, and that's when the season starts to get away from you. Yeah, and that's exactly the opposite of what happened last season when they finished second. And you want to yeah. build on what they did rather than... I just, I just fancy Harry Kane up against Joel Matip or yeah. Dejan Lovren. Yeah. Or, I just thought I'd take Harry Kane to win that battle over there. Nil all draw. I think we've all called it. <laughs> <laughs> Before we finish the poll, we've got a couple more questions. Say couple, three, which is more than a couple. It's free. Uh, Andrew Gaffney asks, do you think any of the London clubs can break the Manchester side's early dominance in the Premier League title race? And if so, which ones? Crystal Palace have got a long way to go, haven't they, Kev? Ah, uh, yeah, but you're back, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think the only one who could possibly do it is Spurs. 
uh, Arsenal aren't good enough Chelsea aren't deep enough West Ham God love them <laughs> just don't even just, 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 just stop <laughs> and I think Palace have left themselves too much to do mm, mm. Uh, well they're trying to get a golf score this year yeah yeah I mean they just want to not be the new Derby County yeah uh, I was looking back at that season that's ridiculous by the way we talk about banter eras that was a banter era and I don't think it's quite been topped in a way no um for those who don't know, just just Twitter search banter here. I'm not just talking about oh, no, silly things. It's, it's it's a thing. <laughs> it's, it's a, a thing. meme. It's the a known. One's brilliant. We we need to discuss the Arsenal banter here actually after this, um, or maybe on another pod. On another podcast, maybe. But Perhaps. we're running out of time. We are running out of time. Um, so just moving on now. Uh, this is more of a philosophical question, so it's something we might have to come back to. But just generally, scouted football want us to talk about whether London clubs should promote youth coaches like some of the other leagues are doing. Um, I think the Bundesliga is. is well known for pushing through these young managers to go and do amazing things um, uh, uh, Thomas Tuchel's one um, I've completely escaped the, his name now um, the guy at Hoffenheim ah Julian Nagelsmann, Nagelsmann. Yeah. that's the man and um, Schalke's got a new coach he's a very young man as well well in the, coaching terms there's also another one who came through his youth system of Pep Guardiola yeah yeah. Um, but what you got to remember is that these teams all have a B team playing in a, in a lower league mm. it's way easier mm way easier to promote someone who is actually managing a top team like that like Zidane yeah came up through Real Madrid <laughs> he was actually rubbish in the Real Madrid yeah, team the Castilla, well. Castilla team wasn't it yeah um, he was a bit moisy about it but we won't go into that now yeah because basically Zidane's thing is that he goes to the best players in the world shut up I'm Zidane yeah. and they go okay um, good point well made yeah but he, he wouldn't be able to do it at Bournemouth because you'd actually have to compensate for their lack of skill. I always remember that um, one of Glenn Hoddle's jobs in management, he went in and basically just outskilled all the players in the squad, almost as a way to be like, I'm really good, you can trust me. And instead it just ruined the confidence of every single member <laughs> of the squad. And he was sacked soon after. So, yeah, maybe that is it. Zidane's like a kind of a Formula 1 driver. you got the right car, it's all good. You stick him in a, on a mini motor and it's just, no, it's not going to happen, is it? No. So. But, um, but in terms of promoting youth coaches, it's very difficult to do. Um, that's why City have acquired all these other clubs, so mm. that they can put Vieira in New York and see how he does. Uh, I it's, think It's such a risk, I think, I, for, I for Premier League clubs I as don't, well. I don't think you can go directly from coaching the under-23s to the senior team. I mean, in, some, some, have, tr- some have tried as well. Um, mm. the, the former Manchester United um, reserves manager, he went to Wigan, didn't he? That didn't really More end, jo- uh, Joyce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Terry Wesley's getting a bit of praise as well for West Ham, isn't he, at the moment? He is, and if Savin Birch were ever to leave, if there's going to be a temporary manager, it would be him. Mm. Um, as I said, the, the money's on offer in the Premier League and what it means keeping teams in the Premier League mm. and even in the Championship, how competitive the Championship is. TV deals are for money they get in a Championship. Uh, teams are just unwilling, I think, to risk putting everything on the line for a rookie. Yeah, they'd rather just get uh, an established name in, uh, be it if they don't know the club or whatever. Um, so I, th- I think that's why we don't see so many youth coaches coming coming through. So basically, is this question just give a gigsy till the end of the season? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it might be. I guess it might be. Very last question to players out. Uh, Thibaut Hake wants to hear one suitable January signing for each one of London's Premier League clubs. Ooh, that's a good. good it's, one. it's a good one. Is it? Is a humdinger. I'm going to go first. I'm not saying this is this is likely, but Hatton Ben Arthur wants out of PSG. Crystal Palace, it, it just it just it sings to me. He's a winger, he's got all these kind of like, you know, a bit changeable in his form, but on his day he can be great. 
I think he's, you know, he could slot right in there. Is that not the only position where Palace are set? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but that's why it's so great. You know, he's basically like another punch in as well. Just have them all. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll find a third wing for them. He'll be fine. Um, I would say for Palace, one who's actually realistic uh, might be Adrian mm. yeah. from West Ham. He wants out. They Palace don't seem to know who their best goalkeeper is. Mm. Adrian's not a bad keeper. Could go in and do a job there. Any any shout for West Ham's signing of uh, January? Who they should sign? Yeah. Oof. I still think they need to sign a striker. With um, Carvalho. I He's going to Juventus apparently now. I think that I think that horse has run. Um, mm. They need another striker because now Sacco is out injured again. Andy Carroll, we just say you don't know what his um, yeah. what his injury status is like. Um, another striker who? Oh God. <laughs> I'm a big fan of. Is, is Cedric Bacambu still at Villarreal? Yeah. Did he move? I think he. Yep. They were linked with him. I think last summer. Um, didn't come off. It was kind of a bit of a spurious one. But mm. um, like from what I've seen of him. Um, I think he could do a good job. Yeah, at, he's still at, there at West Ham. I think he'd be a very good signing, and he wouldn't cost that much either. Um, I think for, for the Hammers, you can cut. You can be, any, any any they'll, they'll take they'll, if they can bring any new faces in. They'll they'll, they'll take it. I think the fans. It's, uh, seven goals in seven La Liga games this season. You can really tell Kev's one with a laptop in front of him. Can't yeah. you? On this one. <laughs> and one for Arsenal, just because of his heroics in the Europa League. Everyone's saying, "Oh, he looks like an Arsenal player." Uh, Nabil Fakir. Yeah, I'm. I really, honestly, haven't seen much of him, uh, so I couldn't possibly comment. He's he's very skillful, full of moments. If you're going to replace Alexis Sanchez and Meza Urza with a, a cheaper version, who's not too much of a downgrade, he could be the man. Could be the man. I don't want another skillful player at Arsenal. I want someone who's going to kick someone in the head. Hey, everybody! Martin Keown's here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think Kalasnach was a great signing, and I want mm. someone like that who. So Lee Catamol is someone on that your has some cojones about. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, exactly. oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, bring Roy Keane out of retirement. I say. Uh, no, it's honestly. Liam it, Miller. It, it is kind of a, like it's a it's a bit of a joke, but like. That Arsenal team just doesn't have like any sort of mental strength or mm. any bottle about them. When Troy Deeney's bantering Yolf, you know. <laughs> and and the worst part was he said that and Per Murdersacker comes out and says, Yeah, they wanted it more than us. You haven't started a league game <laughs> since the nineties. You're the captain. <laughs> and you're the club captain. You're like, Yeah, I guess we didn't try. <laughs> how is that how is that a thing? So basically you need to sign Sean Dyche. I honestly couldn't. <laughs> if, if we had to cover Sean Dyche and I had to go to his press conference, I'd just be constantly offering him water. No, he's so funny though. He's, I, he's, I really enjoy his press is, conferences. He is very funny. No, he's he, very no, he is, he is. He is quite funny, and he he is a good manager in fairness to. Um, so we're saying Arsenal January signing is Sean Dyche. Sean Dyche as Incredible. assistant manager because I don't think Wenger has gone anywhere. No, we could we could just tell Wenger he's still doing the job, but actually Sean's just doing it. Just actually. That's probably one Arsenal fans would like to see is Ancelotti. Oh, wow, yeah. Mm. Although I'm not really convinced that that's going to fix any of the problems. He just kind of manages things as they are, doesn't I don't, he? I don't think so either. Lovely man. Loves his pasta. If, uh, if you ever want to actually watch a video, I think Bayern Munich, when he first joined, did like a cooking show with him. and he Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lit yeah, a bit yeah, of garlic. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Um, but before we run out of time, because we are running out of time, Spurs. Who are Spurs going to sign? Who should they sign? Uh, Ross Barkley? No. <laughs> no, I don't think they should sign Ross Barkley. I don't get the whole Barkley thing. I really don't. 
That's uh, for another podcast, another time. We just need one name. One name. One single name. Yeah. And I'll give it to you now. It's going to be <laughs> someone who I think of in my head. Uh, oh, that guy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know the guy. You know the one. Actually, I think they're pretty well set. Yeah. Um, it's really hard to think of Spurs players to sign because... They just need to replace Dembele because it, it sounds like he is just crocked. He is, as as you would say... Manyamas. Banjax. Yeah. Yeah. Um Matteo Kovacic. There you go. Job there, done. Not gonna get him, but there you are. Bring bring back Modric. Yeah. He's not bad, is he? It's really tough to think of one for Spurs because their squad's You basically gotta sell pretty someone. good. Yeah, they've got to get rid before they bring someone. But in. we're assuming in this little scenario that Dembele's gone full on Cazola now. So you're just gonna have to pretend he's not gonna be reliable. Yeah, but you what you've gotta do is to bring someone in you've got to sell them on the idea that hey you probably aren't going to start mm. you need to really earn your place so what we're saying is the January signing is already there and it's Josh Onomar yeah <laughs> Harry, Harry Winks Harry Winks yeah, but he's already in the team isn't he he's, uh, yeah but he's justified it yeah true 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 um, that leaves us with Chelsea Chelsea, Chelsea. Ross Barkley I'm just going to keep saying Ross Barkley uh, someone's hit Ross Barkley <laughs> they, they need another striker they absolutely need another yeah. striker um, people are talking about Bellotti. I don't think that'll be happening. It'll be so expensive. Mid-season. It'll be well. so good though. He is, he is, honestly, if you want to find someone to replace Diego Costa like, for like, he is the man. He's mm. like the most tenacious little striker going. He's not even little. I don't even use, I only know as I saw why I called him little because he's like 5'11". But he will get at you and he'll get goals. But he's not going to sit on the bench. They were obviously no. chasing Lorente, weren't they, in, yeah. this, in the summer. He, what about he, someone he, like Mandzukic? Yeah. But he's, he's playing pretty much every week for Juventus mm. as well, isn't he? That's the thing. I mean, Benteke. Benteke. Good. Giroud. Good. Giroud. <laughs> yeah. That's never going to happen. Um, so what we're saying is they need a target man. But we just don't know which one. We don't know which one at the moment. Yeah, well, we the, which one. it's almost like it's hard to find a good striker. It's almost like I do, I do teams hear that. spend millions trying to figure <laughs> it out. But anyway, that's all we've got time for. On uh, this, our first, um, I guess, pilot episode of the uh, Football London weekly podcast, which we haven't given another name yet, so we'll just call it that from now on. Tell us what you think about the podcast. Uh, tweet us at football underscore LDN. That's London, but but short. Um, yeah, a little bit more hype, a little bit more hip. So yeah, let us know what you think. Um, we've also put out a little edit- editorial yesterday um, telling you how you can write for football.london. So get on there. There's pitching guidelines galore. Um, we want to hear the best untold stories in London and then publish them to the world. So do go on there, have a look, um, check out all our lovely work. Follow Sam on Twitter at... Sam underscore Incasol. I'll have to spell that out when I say it's I-N-K-E-R-S-O-L-E on T-M at the end. So in capitals as well. You have a blue tick next to it. I'm verified and everything. There we go. Kev Byrne. How can we find you on Twitter? Uh, It's easy. Kev Byrne. There we go. K-E-V-B-E-I-R-N-E. Beautiful. And I'm Greg Ian Johnson. Not Greg Ian Johnson. Greg Ian isn't one word. People get this confused, but you'll find me on Twitter and you can send insults there. Um, Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another podcast. See you then.